KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. You're getting athletes from all different places, different clubs, different coaches, different voices, different styles. So you have to be able to not take them and go, oh, do this. I want you to do this because I like it. You have to take, this is what you do well. Let's make that even better, and let's find something to enhance it. And then if there's problems, you fill the holes, but you fill it towards their assets. And I love that aspect. And our guest this week, Jenny Salmon. She is the head fencing coach at Temple University. Been on the job going on a year now. And Jenny, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So as I mentioned about a year, I think it was August-ish that you came on board at Uh, Temple. Yeah, officially September 6th. But yeah, it all started to go mid-August. What has year one been like, results aside, just kind of the experience and getting your arms around the program? You know, it's it's really been a combination of feeling like I'm returning home to the familiar. I'm a Temple alum, alum of the fencing program. So, you know, coming in, I had basic expectations and ideas of what, you know, my job was and what the team was capable of and um, and just how things are at Temple, that Temple tough. I knew it was one of those things that I was bringing in that I had expected to find. So, so I would say on the, you know, the umbrella of the, of the big idea of the program, it felt and looked like I expected. Um, I've always stayed in contact with my coach, Nikki Frank. We've talked about the team. So I came in feeling a familiarity with the athletes. I think the biggest thing that um, I learned early on was they didn't have a familiarity with me. Although I'm an alum, I've been at things and I've been a fan of the team. You know, they're 18 to 20 year olds. And I'm a new person to them. So just getting to know each other, getting them to know me, getting them to trust me, see how much was going to be similar and also the nuances of what was different. You know, I'm a different person, have different experiences. So I think the biggest thing for our team, the the schedule was familiar. The competition they faced was familiar. It was just being able to to hear each other's voices and, and learn and grow together. Dr. Nikki Frank, your coach, mm-hmm. who just retired, who Built the program. You're only the second coach in, in the five history. decades yeah. of Temple fencing to give perspective here. How does your return to Temple come together? Is this something that there were kind of, would you be interested if <laughs> this happened? Or did you hear about the opening and you immediately made a call? Kind of what was the, the backstory? No, I definitely got the call from Nikki. Um, you know, I was a early childhood special ed major at Temple. I went into teaching, but soon after I began my teaching career, I started to coach. And Nikki, of course, kind of pushed me in that direction. Um, And several alumni have gone in that direction. And so we've always stayed connected in that way. And going on five years now, but four years prior to the season, I had started the head coaching job up at Brandeis University in Boston. So even more so, we were connected. So I think that she saw also in that an opportunity that I was getting the experience on paper um, I think that she felt I could be a strong coach for the program prior to that time, but it really kind of gave it credibility to to what I was um, capable of. And so when she finally made the decision, and I imagine she wrestled with it for a long time, you know, she reached out and said, you know, it's time for me, but I need to know I'm leaving it in the right hands. And I want it to be on game emotional. It was a really emotional time. So yeah, I definitely got the call. The story is that when uh, we have uh, a new AD at Temple, Arthur Johnson's been there since November. And when he was first meeting Nikki, they had a conversation that, you know, never leave, but clearly eventually you will retire. And she gave him an envelope um, at the time. 
And she said, the person whose name is in this envelope is who I want to take over the program. And he stuck it in his desk, thinking probably he wouldn't see it for two or three or five years. And then a few months later, she came and told him, open the envelope, and my name was in it. So it was kind of a full circle. And, and you know, obviously out of respect for the founder of the program and a legendary coach, you know, they, they really prioritized me as, as a candidate. I feel like there's always pressure when you're coaching. I feel there is always a little extra pressure when you start coaching at your alma mater because your name, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not just somebody that if it doesn't work out, you know, you move on to the next. And then there's extra pressure taking over for one of the foremost names in your sport. Am I overstating it? Did you feel that? (laughs) Definitely. I think anyone who would take over this program would have that pressure of, of, you know, you can't replace an irreplaceable person. And from the beginning, I said, I'm not going to try to fill her shoes. I'm going to walk, walk alongside them and hope I can step by step live up to what she, she has accomplished. Yeah, I felt tons of pressure, you know, um, wanting to be able to, one, have the team as seamlessly as possible continue. That was a big pressure. When we started to compete, I felt like, all right, let's go. We have to be able to perform. And on my rational mind knows, you know, there's always a transition and it takes time and Theoretically, it takes a new coach four years to really hit their stride. These are the words that, you know, you hear when you come into a new position, but certainly didn't have the patience for that or the expectation for that. And I think I uniquely as an alum, as a former Temple fencer, I never had that expectation. This is going to take four years. Um, So I felt the pressure to like, let's let's get it going right away. What was, if anything, surprising to you when you took over the program? You know, Temple, you know, Nikki Frank's work. And you know coaching. This was not your first rodeo when it comes to coaching. But did anything surprise you taking this step to take over this program? Like anything that fell under your purview or just the status of anything? Well, I mean, I would say, I mean, I've been back to campus as an alum a lot. I'm dedicated to the program since I have been an athlete. So I'd been back to McGonagall and Leah Chorus for fencing tournaments and to help with fencing tournaments. This is not related to the program itself, but the campus was, is just awe-inspiring to me. It's grown. It's changed. It's so beautiful. And I loved Temple when I was there from 90 to 95, but I felt a lot of pride and excitement at how far the campus has come. I wasn't aware as an athlete of the amount of the support system that exists. You know, you have your coach, you have your trainer, um, you have your strength and conditioning coach, and you do your thing. And so learning all of the support system and all that goes into this to make every program at Temple successful, but obviously the women's fencing in particular, um, has been a learning curve for me and a good one. It's been very positive. And the facilities are different. When I was competing, we were in a, uh, we shared a dance room, and we had to set up our strips and break them down every day. And, and now we have a dedicated fencing facility. And I didn't know about that, but to be able to train athletes in that room weapons together. I really didn't realize how good that would feel and how impactful. And so that's been really exciting for me. Um, and But as I said, so much of it feels like home. It's just bigger and better. And it's been a really great experience coming back. I'm fascinated by the sport of fencing. I think it is a sport that a lot of people and maybe a lot of people that listen to this mm-hmm. will only have a vague idea of it, something they see every four years at the Olympics. If you were sitting down with someone who wanted to understand the sport and knew nothing about it. Give me the elevator pitch of fencing and why it's great. (laughs) So fencing uh, is a combat sport where we encourage you to hit. And when you do a good job, we ask you to do it again. So right there, it's a great sport for anyone. It's uniquely challenging as in collegiately because it's an individual sport. You know, mano a mano, you have one fencer fencing another fencer. And if you win, you get a point. But it's a team event because you're collecting points for your team. 
And so it's unique in that way. Uh, as far as what type of athlete or who can fence, anyone can fence. You know, it looks like it's all about weapons and hitting and sword fighting, but it's about footwork and balance and speed, distance, tempo, and then being able to put that behind the ability to create actions with the blade and, and hit the target. So it's a sport that anyone can do from young to old. You can pick it up at any time. And any type of athlete, short, tall, fast, slow, can find an aspect of fencing where they have an advantage. So obviously I'm a fan of taking fencing to the elite level and the Olympic level and the NCAA level. But I've also, through my life, trained athletes at every level. And that's what I love about fencing. It's a lifelong sport. I highly recommend trying it. They call it physical chess for a reason. You know, it really does engage your mind. And it's an incredibly strenuous workout that you don't realize how hard you're working till you're done. And you're just like, wow, that was good. Physical yeah. chess. I've heard that described yeah. before. And that is one of the great descriptions I've ever yeah. heard for a sport. It's really. It is. It's about tricking people, making them think one thing and being two steps ahead. But then when you get three steps ahead, you got to get one step behind. And it's just always in and out. So what was your introduction to the sport? How does it cross paths with you? So I was actually um, my entire childhood from the age of three. I was a dancer and I was a very serious dancer as I got to be a little older, eight, nine, all the way to the age of 15. And I have three sisters. I had another sister who was very athletic. My father was a coach in various local sports. And it really was my father. He knew that I loved dancing and that I had a real aptitude for, you know, to being coachable and athletic. And he found the sport of fencing. My high school happened to have it. And they had a, I grew up in New Jersey and there's a lot of high school varsity fencing in New Jersey. So he researched it. He came to me right before my freshman year in high school and said, hey, Jenny, you know, you haven't played organized sports. So it's not like you can jump on a basketball team or jump on a soccer team right now. But I really want you to try fencing. I think it's great for you. And he said, there's opportunity for you to get a college scholarship in this sport if you're good at it. It really was. That was his idea. He secretly has told me since he wanted to get me out of dancing because he thought, the means to an end for someone who's five foot three in this <laughs> in this <laughs> pursuit may not work out, even though I had a passion. And we were lucky because the first day I went to practice tryouts, I guess, for the high school team, having no experience, I showed an aptitude because of my dance background. I was flexible. I could lunge. I understood choreography. So when the coach was teaching something, I immediately was able to do it. So could I fence? No, but I showed an aptitude for it. And my personality is just if I'm going to do something, I, I want to be the best. So once that, you know, switch flipped in my brain that I want to figure this out, I went 100 percent into the sport. In the early days, was there any getting over? I mean, hashtag real talk. Somebody's yeah. lunging a sword towards you. Did you have to get over? Was there any fear of that when you're getting introduced to it like, yeah. like that? You know, I have to say for me, no. And having trained athletes for three decades in the sport, um, sometimes there is. But more often than not, there isn't. I think it's there's so much fun in being allowed to hit the target that most people just go for it. It doesn't hurt. You know, if you don't do it, you imagine it does, but it doesn't hurt. Um, you wear the correct equipment. The blades are meant to bend and give so that it doesn't cause pain when they hit. So unless you're hit in a weird way, you know, it doesn't hurt. And so I don't think for me, you know, I just want to go get it. I wasn't worried about being hit. I wanted to hit. So you talk about dance really yeah. helping you. When do you start to really thrive in the sport and i don't just mean have fun but yeah. when does the skill set start to match the level where you're starting to compete and how long did it take for you to kind of hit maybe not elite level young but high levels 
Well, I have to do a disclaimer to say when I started, fencing was very different. Starting at 15 was not totally out of the realm to be able to compete in college. Now the sport has grown so much. We have, you know, I go to national competitions and see 12-year-olds where I'm like, wow, I wish in my fencing career I fenced that well. So, but with the time that I entered the sport, you know, my father was very savvy. He figured out that I needed private lessons and I had to kind of play a little bit of catch up. And a lot is just happenstance. My high school coach, who just happened to be the coach of the high school team that the high school I went to, her coach, she was fenced in college, her collegiate coach she was connected to. She saw my aptitude for the sport connected to him. And she said, you have to work with this person. And we immediately started working together. I would babysit his son to pay for my lessons. And his son is now the head coach of Northwestern, which is always, you know, it's funny how things happen. (laughs) Absolutely. And he had a relationship with Nikki Frank. So I have learned that he started conversations with her early about me, too. As far as me getting into competition, I was able to qualify in my sophomore year to the national championships. And it was a little bit of I didn't know any better. I kind of like went in and was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I didn't have enough experience to know I'm not supposed to go out there and do these things because so much of fencing is mental. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I didn't have that, that knowledge of, oh, this person is supposed to beat you. So that first Junior Olympics, I took 18th and I got what they call national points. And that really started things rolling. I was able to compete at a certain level and so I was able to make a few finals in uh, at the national tournaments in my junior and senior year, which is what brought me to recognition at the collegiate recruiting level and to Temple. Where was the most catch up needed? Because you talk about the dance being, you know, helpful. You didn't have the fear yeah. of what you were doing. Uh, you had a, a naivete about who your your opponents, which worked in your favor. Yeah. What was the biggest hurdle to cross when you're learning to sport? Where were you lacking the most? at day one that you needed to improve on? I think technique. You know, I had the spirit, the fight. I had athleticism, so a speed. I'm small, but I also sprinted in high school um, and did long jump and high jump, so I had that power. But at some points, my technique would fail me. And I think if you ask Nikki, that's something she also had to work with me on my entire time to get me to where, you know, I had to play catch up. So when I, you know, would get to bouts uh, against clearly superior fencers who were my age, they would show me <laughs> that I was missing something. and But it just fueled me to keep working harder and get better and better. What is your favorite part? If you and I are fencing, yeah. what's just your favorite part of the competition in the moment? My favorite part, if I am competing, is when I'm, I'm fencing someone who is beating me on an action and I'm able to find the solution and get them to do what they think will work and execute what we would call the second intention or a way to make them fail doing what they want to do because there's that aspect of controlling the bout. Those are the moments where, you know, you're really playing that physical chess. And I love that. I do also love just going out there and being very athletic and physical and like making things happen. And if I can, you know, when I was competing, if I could fence about that way, that was great. But if that wasn't working, the brain had to come in and it's a prideful moment when you can make that work. And I just want to take a step back. You kind of gave us the elevator pitch for fencing. Yeah. Give me some of the nuts and bolts. I know there's different blades. And if I'm going to a fencing tournament, what will I see as far as duration and stuff like that? So collegiate fencing and in all fencing, there's three weapons. Foil epee saber. They differ by the target area and the rules of how you score and who can score. Some in two out of three, one athlete can score in epee. The whole body's target and both athletes have the ability to score at the same time. 
If you come to a collegiate meet, you're going to see all three weapons fencing at the same time, but they only fence against their own weapon. And you, so you'll see it taking place on two or three strips if, um, and they're just battling each other, the teams, to win five touch bouts, first to five. And if you win that bout, you score a point for your team. Uh, what we call a uh, meet takes typically between an hour and 15, an hour and a half. It can vary because no bout is scripted. It's a three-minute time. doesn't mean it's three minutes. could be five minutes. Mm-hmm. There's halts and stops. And depending on how equally matched the fencers are, they could be very close long bouts or they could be short bouts. But so hour to an hour and a half for a competition. And we compete five to seven meets in a day when we go into competition. So you can come to a fencing meet and stay all day. You can walk in, stay for an hour or two collegiately. Um, that's what you're going to see. At a national competition, it's individual. Um, you're not going to necessarily see that team aspect or not in the same way we do collegiately. And those also tend to go start to finish three to five hours. Is every fencer well-versed in every blade or is our specialist? Primarily now specialists. Um, I would say maybe 5% will, will compete in multiple weapons. A long time ago, we had Olympians who fenced in multiple weapons at the Olympics. But you know, the modern fencing, early on, you specialize in a weapon and it's, you know, the coaches will point an athlete towards their aptitude and then sometimes fencers just want to do a weapon. But really, if you want to be accomplished in the sport, you fence a single weapon. If you love fencing and you just want to jump around, absolutely, you can play with all three weapons. Um, and we do have veteran fencing and we have world champions and veteran from the USA, but we also have veterans um, who love to just dabble in everything. So there's no rules that you can't fence all three weapons. It really depends on your goals. So we talk about you're in high school, you're fencing. You talked about kind of the six degrees of legendary fencers yes, that I got lucky. You, you were <laughs> dealt with. Uh, you do come to Temple. Yeah. There's obviously a connection with, with Nikki Frank, but what kind of seals it for you? Were there other schools that you were looking at? Kind of the journey to North Broad Street, you know, what was it? My husband and I, my husband is a, a fencing coach as well. And we were both inspired by our collegiate experience. And we had knew in our lives that we both wanted to come full circle at some point or hope to and be collegiate coaches outside. We've been coaching club and USA fencing national and internationally for a long time. The opportunity came at Brandeis University earlier than we had kind of planned because I have two daughters and they were a little younger than I had hoped to kind of take that leap. But in a sport like fencing, opportunity knocks, you kind of explore it. And Brandeis was a wonderful place. They, you know, they believed in me. They brought me in. And it was a wonderful place for me to realize this is a great opportunity for me. I wasn't looking to change out of Brandeis. I wasn't thinking or hoping Nikki was going to retire. You know, all of us Temple alumni think, oh, she'll just be there forever. And we don't really consider the thought of Temple fencing without Nikki. So I really was up to her choice to say, I really want to be able to leave this program to you. And then, you know, heart to hearts with my my family, what are our goals? What do we want? And the division one level, obviously for me as a coaching competitor, that's where I thrive. But it was hard. It was hard to say goodbye to the athletes at Brandeis. It wasn't something I knew was necessarily going to happen and um, right away. So maybe it's meant to be, you know, it's like you follow your path. Nikki had, has always said, when you get opportunity, take it. And that's how her life unfolded so that I've tried to follow that as well. When you were looking at colleges in high school. Yeah. What sold you on Temple? Number one, being able to work under Nikki as an athlete. I was so invested, you know, in a lot of, especially at the division one level, you're like thinking in your mind, I'm an athlete. I have all these aspirations. And of course I want to get my degree. And I was kind of in that mindset, like, where do I want to fence? So that was a huge factor. But also I was, I wanted, I was going to be an education major. I was dedicated to teaching and Temple had one of the top 
and still does one of the top education programs in the country. It had a triple certification that I was looking for. So it fit, ticked the boxes academically. It had the great program and history at Temple. And I was also able to get a scholarship, which was a big deal for my family that I was able to go to college and have a scholarship. We need to take a break. We will have more with Temple University fencing coach Jenny Salmon right after this. This is one-on-one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Temple University head fencing coach Jenny Salmon. When I talk with people that play sports, I'll often talk about the transition from high school to college. Yeah. And how was it? And almost across the board, the thing will be, I had to get used to the speed of the game. Mm -hmm. It was just different. Is that the same in fencing? And if not, what was the biggest adjustment when you went to the college fencing level as a competitor? I I would say yes and no to that question. And I think because in fencing, you're competing USA fencing at the national level. So you're competing when you're doing well at at that speed, at what you do in college. And Oftentimes, your opponents become your teammates. You get to college and you're like, oh, my God, I've been fencing you on the circuit and now you're my teammate. Having said that, being in a room with athletes that are all strong and good and you're pushing each other like that, that was a transition for me. Uh, Most of us come from areas where if we're getting a scholarship to a program like Temple, we were one of the best fencers in the room at our club or, you know, we were. And that's not the case where I came in. I was not the best fencer in the room. I had athletes in the room who I needed to try to get get on par with and I thought that was great I loved it and I you know I always wanted to have someone who could push me like that but it was a new experience for me talked about how important dancing was growing up like once you kind of flipped the switch to to fencing was there a did you miss dancing did you still do a little just to have fun with it or was it kind of the clean once you kind of got into the fencing pool we were good. So my when I was a freshman trying out for the fencing team, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'll do this, and I'm a dancer, right? And so my freshman year, I tried to do both. Soon into the fencing and really just gaining a passion for it. And I think also that team aspect of having that community. I had it at dance, but there was that competition piece that I really loved. I was leaning towards I can't do both and be really good. And, you know, I don't think I realized it at the time, but I'm sure – my parents were also finding ways to encourage me that, wow, fencing is great for you. You should keep doing that. And then we had the conversation of you have to you have to dedicate to one in order to be at the level you want to be to be able to fence in college and, uh, you know, pursue something like that. When you're at Temple, what is is there a moment when you felt like you arrived as a college fencer? Um, I mean, like you talked about the transition, not but yeah, was there that first? Yeah, that's me. Like that first that first <laughs> oh moment gosh. at Temple. I, I think that, you know, Temple has the what we call the Temple Open. It's the largest collegiate individual tournament and in, in, invitational in the country. And it's different than the regular season. It's like one of our preseason tournaments because you're not fencing for the team. You're just fencing and trying to win. And you might fence your own teammate at some point. Mm-hmm. And I remember fencing in that my freshman year. And I didn't win, but I was pretty good near the top and feeling like, the energy of being at Temple and having people there. And, and, and I felt like this is it and I can do this. Um, the next year I was able to take second, you know, so that home field advantage always built through my career. But that was a big moment. And I returned to the Temple Open every year to help as a referee or any way Nikki needed until I had my daughter, my first daughter. And she was born on the weekend that Temple Open 
happened. So that was that was something that uh, wasn't planned, but I kept me out of the temple open for a few years at least. <laughs> what made Nikki Frank so good at what she did? As someone who learned under her, became a colleague, mm-hmm. became a coach at the college level like her, and now someone who's taken over that program. You, you have such an intimate knowledge of Nikki Frank. What yeah. was it about her skill set, her tool set, that just made her such a great coach? You know, when I was there, it's her ability to connect with you and just the way she can make eye contact and talk to you and make you believe and her expertise. I mean, it just made sense working with her, what she was asking of you and how she believed in you. It just worked. And I didn't think at the time about why, why is this working or how lucky it is for me and as not knowing what's out there and that this is even more special than I can imagine. But, you know, she, Olympian, trained herself under, you know, legendary coaches. And she definitely brought that to us. But I think what separates her from other programs throughout her career is the culture she built, the belief that she gives to her athletes in each other, in themselves, and the connection and trust to the coaches that set it apart along with her expertise because we needed her to make us better at what we were doing. And definitely that aspect of the team culture is the base has definitely resonated throughout my coaching career. So it talked about the first moment you felt like you arrived. When you look at your fencing career at Temple, Mm -hmm. like what are your favorite most intense memories, like the things that if you had to give me an elevator pitch of why your temple fencing experience was special, what would be at the top of the list? The 1992 national championship. Absolutely. In 1992, we won our women's foil team, won the national championship. And it was Nikki's first and the program's only national championship. We're always been competitive nationally. We have all Americans. We're in the mix. And we had gotten second, third, you know, in there. And I was a sophomore it was a young team, and we were not expected to win, and we just believed. We had lost to Penn State. We had um, one loss that season, and it was to Penn State, and they destroyed us. But we knew we had lost about eight of the bouts by one touch. So five, that would be a 5-4 in fencing, mm-hmm. which means at some point it's 4-4 four to four when someone gets the last touch. So we just worked on the belief, and again, to Nikki's credit, like we talked about that. It's eight touches, guys. It's eight touches. Yeah, eight points, eight touches. We can do this. And we knew that if we had to just execute better, we had to be better. And we went in there and we pulled to the lead fast. And then they started catching up and started catching up. And we ended up at the end. We had to win the last two bouts. And we did. And I'll never forget that moment. It was just the most amazing. And it's inspired me. It's been something that I've, I've drawn on. And the relationships I have with those teammates, we're still so close today, you know, through it. So that was that was the moment. And it was our gift to Nikki, too that she could have that moment. How long does the ecstasy of winning that national championship last? (laughs) It's funny because I talk to you about it now and I'm like getting excited. (laughs) So it does come back to me and there's a great pride in it. But, you know, it's funny, like you do it, you're excited. And then soon it's just time to get back to work. And what's the next thing? And the next year we took second. Right. And we were right up there and we took first, second and third in my career. So it was a great career. But I think that the true ecstasy is something that lasts maybe a day or two. It pops up pretty easily for a while, but it doesn't ever leave you. And there's those moments that, and we were recently, last year we were inducted that team into the Hall of Fame at Temple. So it all came back up at that time. So you're having this success and I don't know how it works. Did you think of an Olympic track? (laughs) You know, it's fine. I did. I think a lot of fencers, even fencers I talk to now that I'm recruiting, when you're in that high school age and you're doing well, you're thinking of that. I will say after I 
I was at my best in my senior year at Temple. I really did grow, and I was ranked in the top 10 in the country. And at the time, you had to be ranked in the top five in order to be chosen. The disparity between the 10 and the top five was there was a break. Mm -hmm. Like they were a consistent five. I had in my mind that it was something I could do. But when I finished at Temple, I got a job, a full-time job, and I started to work. And I thought, hey, I can do this. And I went to a few tournaments and I realized if I can't train the way I should, I can't do this. And and I stepped back from that dream probably less than a year, probably about eight months into my first year working full time as a teacher. I've reflected back on it since. I've wondered, like, should I have just eaten ramen for a year and tried to make it work? It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I don't think I would be where I am right now. So it's kind of that perspective of things happen for a reason. And it's OK. Was that hard, though, at the time? I mean, you're 20. You're just talking to you. The, yeah. the passion just exudes from when you talk <laughs> about this. And you're very good. You know, in 22, 23, 24, I don't know, you know, whatever age you were there, a lot of times that's you don't want to believe yeah. things. And were you comfortable with that? Hey, you know, this isn't going to happen and I need to focus on. Or was there did it gnaw at you for a while? It gnawed at me a little but I also think and I wonder, like, as a coach looking back, there might have been fear in that. There might have been, you know, aspects of, well, if I give all this up and I don't make it and I, you know, I would like to think that didn't happen, but it. That may have been part of it. It really, at the core, was financial. It was a time when USA Fencing was just starting to realize or be able to be successful at an international level. And making that team was no longer being the best just in the U.S. You had to be able to go overseas and gain points at that level. And I just didn't see a pathway for me to fund that. But again, like, I I don't know. I wonder. I wonder maybe... Maybe I should have, but I think I went in the right direction. I taught for 10 class, uh, classroom teacher for 10 years, and that experience has certainly informed my, my coaching. When did coaching come into the idea? Did you always figure coaching would be something that you would, it would be a part of your, your life? Or, you know, how does the door open to, to, become, to start your coaching career? Yeah, my, um, you know, when I was at Temple my fifth year, I did a fifth year at Temple where I was no longer eligible to be an athlete. And so I was still on campus and I was finishing up my degree and Nikki immediately was like, oh, I want you to help with inner city games. So she had me involved in coaching right away and I loved it. But then when I moved on and I was teaching, I always found a way to integrate fencing into what I was teaching. I volunteered to do things within the school district I worked in and, and bring it to gym classes and things like that. And I kind of thought that that would be natural for me and I didn't think beyond that. But what really sucked me back in was I went to the 96 Olympics in Atlanta, had friends on the Olympic team and was went down there as uh, a volunteer to be able to work the venue, help athletes. Uh, One of my friends from fencing was the coordinator of that. And I met my husband there, who is a mutual friend of this person who brought me down to work. And we had so many mutual friends and we met. And at the time, I wasn't too keen. He's like trying to get me to date him. And I'm like, ah, now thanks, which is why he kept pursuing me. You know how that works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just was the right time. I never thought I would marry a fencer. I never thought he fenced at Penn State. He was a scholarship athlete at Penn State. And um, can you believe that? The team we beat? There's so much in this that you can't even imagine. (laughs) At my wedding, Nikki, Penn State coach, like it was a whole thing. (laughs) But he had already been coaching. He had founded a program on Long Island in a high school of our city team, you know, and then just over time it came to that. And we were just so, you know, impactful, successful, loving what we were doing in the high school program. We start, we founded a small club in our home and then it built into a huge, one of the large, we were able to access a huge 30,000 square foot 
facility through another opportunity that you couldn't imagine. And we built a, a club. And it, when I had my first daughter and I took a break from teaching, then when I came back and suddenly I was a fencing coach 24-7 and it just kind of came like that. But we were continuing to coach at the high school level for I coached for 12 years. And the high school, comp, the way it's run mirrors college. It's the same format. So I was always kind of in it. And then, you know, here I am. I don't know. It wasn't my plan. You mentioned the 96 Olympics, and that must be right. We talked earlier about you making that decision that you're yeah. not going to go that Olympic track. Yeah. Watching the 96 Olympics, I mean, obviously it was special on a lot of levels and who you were with mm-hmm. and who you met and stuff like that. But what was that experience like watching that? And that's right around that time where you're <laughs> having to come to Jesus that I'm not going to take the Olympic track. What was kind of going through your head? You know, it's funny. It was it was great. I, I didn't I think I had I had accepted it. And I think at that time, because at that time, the United States wasn't a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. We weren't winning Olympic medals. Um, we were just getting to that point and watching. I knew I wasn't I didn't deserve to be on that team right now. So I, made it easier yeah, to it was say, like, okay. I'm not missing. Yeah, this. I mean, I and then the experience of being there. Um, I was an athlete escort, which meant every day I traveled with an athlete who was competing. One of my athletes got a bronze medal. So I got to you know be there through the whole thing. And it was just a great experience. And yeah, I, I was I think I was realistic about that. You know, I, I, maybe that wasn't the right path. You mentioned when we first started talking how you can pick up fencing at any age. I'm curious, though, do you think coming to fencing, I don't even want to say relatively late because of how you described it, but, you know, you're a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. That it helped that you didn't get burned out on it as a youngster, as a lot of kids and in sports, kids that play basketball all the time and they'll just kind of maybe get to a senior high school like, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. Do you think the fact that you came to it later and you came to it just as you were starting to probably blossom into the person you are today, that it hadn't become something you felt like you had to do and it it's kept the fire lit this bright, this far down the road? Yeah, I think you're onto something 100 percent. You know, I, I was still trying to figure it out still feeling like there was so much I could do, you know, just being four years of fencing in high school. And as I said, now athletes will start younger and sometimes they're competing at a very high level when they're nine, 10, 11 years old, which didn't exist when I was fencing. So now as a college coach, when I'm recruiting athletes, it's not just about, wow, look at, you're such a great fencer. It's, it's kind of finding out, do you still love this? Mm -hmm. Because it's a means to an end to get to college. And sometimes the athlete doesn't even know it. But then when they get to college, since they've been doing this at such a high level for so many years and mom and dad aren't there and it's just the coaches and the club coaches isn't there. And all of a sudden it's like, I need a break. Mm-hmm. I'm just done. And so really sussing that out is really important to me. And and so obviously I want to bring strong, strong, already accomplished athletes to Temple. But I also have interest in that athlete who is just hitting their stride like they're ready to pop and they have that passion and I think that's something about the Temple program because Nikki was able to do that, too. She did it with me. She didn't look past me because she she saw something. How much does your background in teaching and not just having a degree, yeah. but having, I think you said, 10 years of classroom yeah. experience. Yeah. How much does that expand your coaching toolbox? Because I would just imagine you have probably have a way to break things down, not just from a fencing standpoint, but just from a making things make sense standpoint that maybe a lot of coaches that don't have the, you know, the on the ground teaching experience yeah. like you do can bring to the table. Yeah, I think it's been massively helpful. I, w- I had a certification in early childhood, elementary and special education. And the special education piece, I think, was huge because as a teacher and a coach, I'm really a proponent of differentiated instruction. Of course, in a sport like fencing, there's a base of technique 
and move. You teach at the beginning like it's it's a sport and you have to know how to do things correctly. But being able to look at individual athletes and see where their aptitudes are and be able to capitalize on them and make them strong and not be so prescriptive all the way through, I think, has really helped me as a coach be able to make athletes successful even when they don't walk in the door, just able to be strong as an athlete. I think it's also really helpful as a collegiate coach because you're getting athletes from all different places, different clubs, different coaches, different voices, different styles. So you have to be able to not take them and go, oh, do this. I want you to do this because I like it. You have to say, this is what you do well. Let's make that even better and let's find something to enhance it. And then if there's problems, you fill the holes, but you fill it towards their assets. And I love that aspect. And that's that ability, you know, learning styles, what type of learner they are, how they communicate. It's all super important. How do you define success as a coach? You know, in the moment at a competition, we're wanting to win. But I think something in, and it's this is the trust piece in my athletes believing me. And any of my athletes that from my, the club that I had would tell you, Coach Jenny will always be honest. You can lose a bout and she will tell you that was exactly what I want to see. That's going to get us where we need to go. And they may, I may win a bout and she comes over going, dodged a bullet on that one because whatever that was <laughs> is not going to make us successful in the long run. The win, we'll take the W, but let's go. So truly as a coach, it's really getting the athletes to be better than they left, be better every day, know and appreciate their successes, but understand it's not just winning. It's being, this is a game. It's a sport. Always get better in it. We do work on, what do you do in this situation? How do you win? You know, we're trying to bring home that type of success. But ultimately, these athletes are going out into the real world. And I want them to have the skills to know the difference between winning, losing, and getting beat. And we talk about, sometimes you get beat. You do the best you can. Everything you know, everything you could do, you did. And that person at that moment just was better than you. And so that's okay. And sometimes you lose because you quit. You didn't try. You were scared. You didn't, you know, you made excuses. So I don't know if you could win that bout or not. So it's really knowing the difference and being able to say, did you lose or did you get beat? And if they say, I got beat, I'm like, cool. What are we going to do next time? So we turn that around versus you were too afraid to do what you needed to do. So, but I do want to uh, have all Americans. I want to have athletes at NCAs. We want to win our conference championship every year. Those are important as well. I talked about your first moment when you were a competitor at Temple, when you really felt like you arrived. Yeah. What, what's your first coaching moment that you realized that you were doing this for the rest <laughs> of your life? It's actually, this is funny, that it's well, my, one of my athletes, uh, one of my first really strong female foilists that I, I trained at my club who became a Temple fencer and was captain of the Temple team and has done great. She was a very special kind of athlete. She was very visceral and it had to be less about the process of strategy or physical chess and just training her to find the feeling and the moment. And, you know, she was always just falling a little short, a little short, such a hard worker, always doing everything right. And then there was a day where we had really planned for and she won a national championship. And it was that moment of us being able to work together, knowing I was providing her with solutions that were for her, that were making her successful. And one of the things that are really important that I've learned from great mentors is that you you might know a solution to the what's going on in about that you could do, but you have to know what your athlete can do and execute. And the way that Demi was my fencer won that bout is not how I would have won that bout, but I was able to help her win it her way. And that was a moment where I'm like, okay, I think I can do something with this. You talked about your husband's background in yeah. the sport day to day. <laughs> how much do you guys talk about fencing? 
Well, I'm the one who talks about fencing, and he's like, can we not talk about fencing? I can't take it. (laughs) He is much more, he is much more able to compartmentalize the fencing and let's do something else. And I'll start doing something else, and I'll be like, but you know what? Da-da-da-da-da. So, so, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely the more intense one. (laughs) It's probably hard for you to pick one thing out here, but what is the favorite part of what you do? Oh, gosh. You know, I think I, I have to take, you know, there's, it, it's hard work and it's constant and there's always things and it's, but it's that moment of when you see the athletes you're working with, sometimes you see it in their academic lives. You might see it on the strip, but you see them grow into themselves. You see them become people who can take responsibility, who can speak to what they do well, who can then know what the next challenges are and be ready to, to face them. One of the things I brought to the team is to run to the roar and it's, it's a parable about. You know, if you know what's going to happen and you know what to expect, but when it happens and it's scary, you run away, you're not going to be successful. Run to it. And so working on that in the big picture, that's that's it. In the moments when an athlete is fencing and they have that big win and they look at me and there's this like understanding, like that's a great moment for me, too, as a coach where it's like, yes, we did this. It's ultimately up to them to go out and do it. But that connection, it keeps me going for sure. Is success on the strip. Am I using the vernacular mm-hmm. correctly? Strip. Yep, you got it. More satisfying as a competitor or as a coach? Is the feeling of accomplishment greater seeing somebody you've worked with do yeah. it than when you did it yourself? Or is it a different type of feeling? I think it's greater seeing someone I've coached do it. I think I know about myself as an athlete and um, I've learned about myself as a coach was it was more... Not I didn't appreciate the moments of success as much as I was hard on myself when it didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I'm looking back at things I've accomplished and going, I should have enjoyed that because I have to say that to my athletes all the time. Hey, enjoy this. You did something great. And guess what? Tomorrow might be really hard. So the hard days are coming. Enjoy the good days. And so over time, I've tried to like keep the perspective I try to give to my athletes and matured into it myself, hopefully. But definitely knowing that I can... Have athletes understand how hard work, dedication, and bravery in fencing and then in life will bring them where they need to be. Jenny Salmon, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for this week's episode. want to thank Temple University head women's fencing coach Jenny Salmon for being our guest this week. Now, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.